take the reason, the logic, the intellect, the senses, the emotions, and you sink down as you're yielding. But to put on the mind of Christ means to sink into it. When Paul said put on the mind of Christ, in the Greek it means sink into. So you've got sinking down with the feminine, and you've got sinking into with the masculine or with your Christ mind. Then if you recall, we went to Ruth chapter 3 and verse 4, where Naomi told Ruth what she was supposed to do concerning Boaz. And remember, she was supposed to go to the place where he was lying down, and she was to uncover his feet, that represents a walk, and she was to stay there until, in other words, she was to sink down, yield, uncover his feet, which represents a walk, and she was to stay there and yield until, it says, until, verse 14 of Ruth chapter 3, until the morning or until the new day dawned in her consciousness. In other words, she had to do, she was told by Naomi to do the same thing that we do when opposing thoughts or intellect or reason or logic or senses or emotions try to rise up and, and rule the day or rule our life. She was told to go lie down or to sink down. And then she was to stay there until the dawning of the new day or until Boaz or the Christ mind quickened and conceived the truth within her. I shared with you how the word lay is 7901 in the Hebrew and it means decrease. It means be still. In other words, realize or rest. And you know, let me just throw this out at you. Some of you might get it and some of you may not. <laughs> but you know what Boaz was before he was married? Ruthless. Ruthless. <laughs> some of you had it, some of you didn't. I'm slow on jokes. I didn't think of the next day when someone tells a joke. But anyhow, so let's go to Romans chapter 8. What I'm going to do tonight, I just had to throw that in. What I'm going to do tonight is look at Romans chapter 8. And did you know that theologians have stated that Romans chapter 8 is the greatest chapter of the entire Bible. And they say that because Romans chapter 8 spells out all that Father God is for us and as us in His Son. So what I want to do, and this is going to take several sessions, because Romans chapter 8 has 39 verses. So we're not going to get through them all tonight. But what I want to do is go through about 12 or 13 tonight, and then I'm going to give my paraphrase of that. Now, why would I do something like that? Because what a paraphrase does is kind of iron out the wrinkles. Yeah. Makes it a little bit more understandable. So I'm going to give you my paraphrase after each verse that we read and that we talk about. So number one of Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and listen, you can see in Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to bring it out this way, the same thing that we saw in Romans chapter 6. Knowing, reckoning, and yielding. I see the same thing. I see in Romans chapter 8, knowing, something you got to know. Again, not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowing, an intimate knowing. You've got to know some things if you're going to experience living the spiritual life effortlessly. You've got to know some things. You've got to reckon that what you know is going to work. And then, when opposing thoughts come, you must yield. And once we, and listen, practice makes perfect. The longer we walk in effortless living, the easier it becomes. And I know that we are already at that place because I know that you all, when a thought from intellect in and of itself rises up in you, or logic, or reasoning, or emotions, right? right. Or five senses, you know it immediately. Absolutely. <laughs> You're keen in discernment. And you know it immediately. So let's begin here with verse 1 in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you the question. Does your Bible go on to say, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit? How many people's Bible says that at the end of verse 1 in Romans chapter 8? Guess what? That was added by the translators. That was added by the translators. So in other words, what that is saying is, since 
after the flesh, or not after the flesh, but after the spirit, since that's not there, then this is saying that all people in Christ, and can I declare to you that, are in Christ and were in Christ from before the foundation. Yes. Ephesians 1 4, 2 Timothy 1 9, we were all even saved before we came here, objectively. Yes, you receive it to experience it and walk it and subject it, but all people are in Christ. Now, look what it says about that. If you are in Christ, and all are, it says there should be, or there is no condemnation. Now, it says right now there should be no condemnation. No guilt, no condemnation, right now. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, in all are in Christ. Objectively. Now, some meanings of the word condemnation are handicap, disabling, limitation, and lack. And we can look to, you know, a lot find a lot of other words that are similar to handicap, disabling, limitation, or lack. So in other words, what is this saying in verse 1 of Romans 8? Everyone is in Christ, objectively. Maybe they don't know it yet, most don't. They're not subjectively walking it yet, but objectively, every man on the face of the earth is in Christ. According to the scriptures, every man is in Christ. May not know that he's in Christ. So therefore, right now, there does not need to be any condemnation, any guilt, right. any feeling less than. Come on. None whatsoever. That's right. And then let me, let me add this. And more so. More so. And more so for those who are joining into one, the masculine and the feminine. That's so good. More so for them. So it's meant to be effortless. Listen, if it's not effortless in our lives, it's right. an imitation. That's it. That's and who likes imitation? Well, they used to have this orange juice palette. Remember that crap? Yeah, tang, tang. I hated that stuff. What was it called? Tang. 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 I should have <laughs> that. Stirred it in the water. It tastes like horrible. Nothing like orange juice. Nothing like orange juice. What? It's an imitation. It's an imitation. So we're, if we're not living the Christian life <coughs> spontaneously, naturally, remember the scripture, first and natural, then yes. spiritual. And I shared with you how when we began this series, how that everybody just walk the spiritual life naturally. Little children walk the spiritual life naturally. Until we get a bunch of religiosity between our ears, and all of a sudden we thought we had to jump through hoops and we had to keep these rules and these regulations, and we got back into walking in the flesh again. Stiff as a board. Stiff as a board, that's right. So in other words, living the Christian life or the spiritual life must come from the overflow in order for it to be effortless. You don't manufacture it. You cannot manufacture this up. No, either we're walking in it or we ain't. <laughs> or not that image. Either we're walking in it, George, or we ain't. Now, that almost sounds hard, but listen, it's your nature. It's my nature. That's right. It's my nature to just manifest and express the fruit of the Spirit. It's our nature. There are some things that we do, even though some people in Bray say there's nothing to do, just be. Well, listen, we want to live out of being, but when you live out of being, there are some things that you do and there are some things that you don't do, and it's your nature. It's our nature. Now, let me give you my paraphrase of verse 1. Right now. Right now, there's no need to experience any guilt, any condemnation, any limitation, any handicap, spiritually speaking, no disabling, or any lack in any area of our lives, as we know this truth. And as we reckon it to be so, and that it'll work within our lives. Verse 2, Romans chapter 8, tells us why. Now, why is there no condemnation? to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, notice the next word, hath, yeah. that's past tense to me, what about you? Yeah. Uh, hath, hath, made me free 
sinner. We didn't come here as an unrighteous person. We came here upright. Religion got a hold of us and we forgot who we were. That's it. And this is why in religion you gotta walk between miles and bless your sin and ask Jesus to jump in your heart and some man's gonna jump into you. But he was there all along. He was always there. Now certainly we have to know that, to experience that, but we need to realize we came here upright. So someone might say, well then, why the cross? Because the death of Jesus, remember the veil was rent. It was rent the temple to it, but the veil was rent that was over our eyes when we embraced religious concepts and lies. His death exposed the lies that we embraced out of religion. His resurrection revealed the truth. In fact, a couple of meetings of the resurrection is to gather our faculties, take those left-sided faculties and yield them to our Christ's mind. And resurrection also means the discovery of spiritual truth. How many know 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that the death of Jesus, the veil was done away with. Don't think of some temple where the veil was rent. Think of you as the temple and the veil or the lies were rent that were over our eyes. Come on. Or over our eyes. That's good. And once we understand that, you see, then we have the truth that we need to build upon, the truth we need to know, the truth that we need to reckon that is going to work for us. And then as the opposing thoughts come from intellect, reason, and logic, we simply yield those to our Christ mind. We place ourselves into work, toil, and sweat when we live from the law. How many know we're not involved with a law? We're involved with a life. Come on. So where it says, and let me read that again, let me read that again in verse 2. For the law, this is why we get no condemnation, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, past tense, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, we could say, well, the law of sin and death was the law of Moses, and we were never under that. But do you know, when you partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and it's really bad, or evil is really bad, when you partake of that tree, there's no difference between being under some law of Moses or being under the death of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because you're still judging by appearances. You're still judging by appearances. Rather than partaking of the tree of life where there is no retributive judgment, there's only discernment from the tree of life. Now, let me give you my paraphrase of verse 2. The awareness of life, the awareness of life has made me free from and exempt from every form of death, religiously and naturally. Let me read it again. The awareness of life, not the law of sin and death, that made us free from the law. That made us free. The law of sin and death made us free from death. But the awareness of life has made me free from and exempt from every form of death. Come on. Listen, second. Timothy 6.16 in the classic Amplified says, we have been made exempt from every form of death. Every form. Every form of death. Any kind of death you can think of, we have been made free from every kind of or every form of death. Now listen, we always had and we always were life. You came here as life. That's who you were. Life personified. So therefore, when we came here, we came here fully in the realm of spirit, fully in life, with no limitation, with no handicap, with no disability. We came here having it all, folks. But here's the problem. Religion told us we didn't. That's it. We came here as a sinner. We came here as this or that, and you can't hope to ever be successful in your life, according to religiosity. Now, look at verse 3 of Romans 8. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, or for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, let me ask you the question. 
Why was the law weak through the flesh? Why was the law weak through the flesh? Because, listen, we were not brought forth to live from an external rule right. or regulation. We were brought forth to walk in life, which is who we are and who we have always been. Amen. And see, no one can walk by external laws. Do you know, James said it this way, if you break one law, you're guilty of all. Break one, you're guilty of all. From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or those that were under the law of Moses. Why is that? Because we were made to live from an external set of rules. We were made to live from life yeah, yeah. and partake of the tree of life. So, listen, even if you try to keep the law of Moses, which it wasn't for us, it was for them, but none of you could keep it. Even if you partook from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you still couldn't keep anything. You have to find this flow on the inside of you. I have to find my life. Find it. And we've been doing that around here for I don't know how many years, going on 35 years. We have been ministering truth to give you back your life. Amen. Give me back my life. And you know what? It's just a matter of realizing I came here as life. I came here as life. Now listen to my paraphrase of verse 3. The law which is external living cannot ever express Christ. That's it. That's true. The law, which is external, you can't live. We say it tonight to live from the inside out. You can't live from the outside in and expect to experience the spiritual life, and especially effortlessly. So the law, which is external living, cannot ever express Christ. So Jesus, this is my paraphrase. So Jesus identified with our mistaken identity. He sure did. How many know Colossians 1.21 says... That we were alienated. We were never alienated or separated from the Father. But it says we were alienated and enemies of God in our minds. Only in our mind. So my paraphrase here, verse 3, is the law, which is external living, cannot ever express Christ. So Jesus identified with our mistaken identity and revealed who we always were, thereby enabling us to live by the one life which we always were. One life. Amen. Why? Look at verse 4. That the righteousness of the law or the truth. Sometimes law is used as truth. Okay? That the righteousness of the law or the truth might be fulfilled or subjectively experienced in us. Who walk not after the flesh, external rules and regulations, or intellect, reason, and logic, but who walk after the Spirit. Now, Jesus, in fulfilling the law of sin and death, what did he do? He nailed it to the cross. Yes. And when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. I love that. And that little word, it, means the lie or the baffling wind of self or who you thought you were that you never were. That is so good. He nailed that to the cross. It is the baffling wind of who you thought you were was nailed to the cross and it's gone. It's done. Oh, zilch. Nothing. Nada. Zero. It's nothing. Get over yourself. Yeah. Right? Now, when we see the word law again, it is referring to an external law. When you see the word law. But also, I can say it this way. When you refer to a law in a certain context, like the law of gravity, mm -hmm. law means something that's going to happen the same way every time. Yeah. Go jump off a building. The law of gravity, every time, is going to be an operation and you're going to skin your knees. Yeah. You're not die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So law also speaks, listen, also speaks of something that you can count on that will happen every time if you're operating in it. If you're operating in it. In other words, if I'm living from the inside out as opposed to living from the outside in, it's going to work for me. Every time. It's going to work every time. Now listen to my paraphrase of verse 4. As we live by the Spirit of life, which is our one and only life, yes. we, are, we are truth and righteousness Personified, we are the Word made flesh. 
mindfulness, it won't be pretty. But if it's spiritual mindfulness, it'll be beautiful. Yes. Can I read that again? My paraphrase, verse 5. Whatever you give your attention to will determine the outcome. If it's fleshly mindfulness, it won't be pretty. But if it's spiritual mindfulness, it's going to be beautiful. Amen. Oh, that's so good. That good? That's good. Now, I try to put a little humor in this, so oh, let's go to verse 6. Verse 6. You know me, I love humor. <laughs> verse 6 of Romans 8, for to be carnally minded. Now, listen, you only have one mind. That's right. We only have one mind. We only have one life. So, we don't have a carnal mind. No. If you read Romans 8 and verse 6 and 7, on the surface level, it sounds like you got two minds. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't I be a freak if I walked in here with two heads? Yes, it would be. That wouldn't look too good. So you don't have two minds. You only have one mind. So why does it say for to be carnally minded is death? It's really, it should have been the word mindfulness. Well, I'm going to read it that way. For to be carnally mindful or mindfulness of carnality is death. But to be spiritually mindful is life and peace. See, we can be dual according to good and evil or good and bad in our heart awareness. Or we can be single-minded, as Jesus said when he said, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. So we can be dual and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's because our mind, our awareness, I, I wish they used the word awareness to be carnally aware, but they didn't. So you can be aware of good and evil, carnal things, or as judging by appearances, and that's death. That leads to death. Okay? Or you can be spiritually mindful, judging by the tree of life. That doesn't mean you're condoning wrongdoing. It's just you're seeing. You know, the word illusion, I've said this many times, means to look at something in such a way as to misinterpret its true nature. And that's what people do when they're looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They look at a person in their life and it may not line up with the way they think that person should be living. And so they've set up an illusion about that person in their mind. Or in their awareness. So, for to be carnally mindful is death, but to be spiritually mindful is life and peace. So, to be spiritually mindful, we partake again of the tree of life as opposed to the tree of the knowledge of the name. Now, my paraphrase here, I thought I'd put a little humor in this. You can have stinking thinking and be a numbskull spiritually. <laughs> you, can, you, can be, you can have stinking thinking and be a numbskull spiritually. Have your numbskull anointing, or else you can be consciously aware of truth and subjectively experience life abundantly and a peaceful existence. It's all up to you. It's all up to you. Right? And then verse 7 of Romans 8 explains why. It explains why that we can have stinking thinking and a numbskull anointing. Or be a numbskull spiritually. It tells us why. It says because the carnal mind, and I'm going to put the word I like better than mine because you're not your minds, the carnal awareness, okay, is enmity against God. Well, wait a minute. God doesn't have any enemies. So why is being carnally mindful an enemy against God? When God, can you imagine God having an enemy?
the flow of spirit, and that becomes our own enemy. That's we it. become our own enemy to the flow of the presence of the spirit of God within us and to the effortless living that we were aspiring yeah. to the experience of our yeah. lives. Now, my paraphrase then out of verse 7 is simply this. As long as one lives by the external realm, instead of from the inside out, he sets up an enemy, disallowing the truth to penetrate his womb. Hence, becoming subject to the truth is impossible while continuing on that carnal vein. So we can see the importance of as a man thinks in his heart, not just in his head, his heart awareness, so is he, or so will be his experience. Verse 8. Now this is a big one. You know, there are some mistranslations in the Bible. Yes. And I'll just be honest with you, I don't put a whole lot of stock in a lot of uh, in a lot of translations today. And I know people really hate when I say this. But the Bible that I would think would be the closest to the original would be the King James. And I know I'm going to get some hate now for that. <laughs> because, listen, the different translations are just that person's Person. interpretation yes. Yes. of yes. what they believe. If they believe in the rapture, they put that in there. Yes. Yes. If they believe in the eternal conscious torment, they put that in there. Yes. Yes. So I'm fine, and I do use other translations. Don't misunderstand. I do use other translations. But I do believe the King James is the closest to, but there are still mistakes there. Yes. There are still mistranslations there. But now listen to this. In verse 8, here's a big mistranslation that is people have ministered so much condemnation from. And it says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now let me just stop right there and go on a little tangent here. That's all that means. How many know? That there's no way, there's nothing under God's heaven that you can do to make God, Father, be displeased with. Absolutely true. He is pleased with everyone because he views them as to who they are. That's it. Not what they're doing. That's not condoning sins, plural. That's not condoning. But it is looking at, just like the prodigal, he took his inheritance and he ran off from daddy. Daddy never lost sight of the fact never. that was his son. Amen. And when he came back, Daddy did something that was illegal. He pulled up his skirt or whatever they wore, and he ran toward his son, and that was against the law. Well, because he always, and he represents our Father, our Heavenly Father. Yes. Listen, our Father always. Now, that doesn't give you an excuse to live in a squirrely way you want to. Because if you do, there'll be consequences. Yes. But Amen. God, Father, will always see you as to who you are, period. Yes. Amen. That's good news. Yes. That's the good news that religion is not preaching. Yes. Right. Yes. And no matter what you do, God still loves you. And he's still pleased with who you be. Yes. See, the prodigal never lost his identity because he took off. Any more than the lost coin lost its value when it was lost. He came to his senses. <laughs> he came to his senses. He was absolutely. He came to his senses. And when you study that, it's not talking about the five senses. No. He came to his, his understanding, yes. the spiritual senses. But yes. in him were quickened. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he realized he needed to get back to daddy. Yes. Yep. And that's what he did. Now, we read that again, verse 8. Romans 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now if you look that up in the Greek, it's number 142, yep. and it is the word agree. agree. That's what it is. Okay, let me read it that way. Yep. So then they that are in the flesh, being led by the left side, the five senses, the emotions, the intellect, the reason, the logic, cannot, listen, cannot agree, agree. with God. That's different. That's what I'm saying. That's totally That's different. different. How do you need to agree in the opposite direction? That's right. So they that are in the flesh, walking by the left side in and of itself, and again, nothing wrong with the intellect, the logic. God gave those things to us, but he gave them for us to have a different role where they're concerned, and that is to yield them. Yes, yes. So they that are in the flesh and walk from the left side and from the outside instead of the inside out cannot agree with God. That's what that's saying, folks. It's not, you're always pleasing to him. 
is therefore now no condemnation as far as the Father is concerned. He loves you. He He's pleased with you. Yes, he is. Because he sees you as being in his image Absolutely. and after his likeness. So what this verse is trying to convey here to us is that when we are living by intellect and reason and logic, trying to figure stuff out, instead of yielding to our Christ mind and allowing our Christ mind to filter through our intellect, logic, and reasons and emotions and five senses. Hello? When we do that, we're in agreement with the Father. Absolutely. We're in agreement with the Father. Now, my paraphrase of verse 8 is, if you want to be in agreement with the spirit of truth within you, get out of your head. (laughs) Get out of your head and operate from your Christ's mind. Get out of your head. Now, I added this after I wrote that paraphrase, and let me give you what I added to it at the beginning. So you think God is a bully? So you think Father God is a bully? And not pleased with you at times? If you want to be in agreement with the spirit of truth, get out of your head and operate from your Christ's mind. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened with the prodigal. Right. He was living in his head. Yes, he was. He was living by his emotions. I'm tired of working on this darn farm. That's probably what he thought. I wish, I wish my father was dead. That's really what he was saying. Give him my inheritance. I'm out of here. And he spent it all on rides living. And guess what? Father loved him through it all. He never lost his identity. Never lost it. I tell you what, the guy, his brother that wouldn't come into the party, he was worse off than the prodigal. Yes, he was. He was much worse off because he was in the do it this way and do it. He was in, that's the one that was in the intellect yeah, and reason the logic. Yeah, he was the one that wouldn't show up at the party. Right? They're the ones who get mad at the quickest. Yeah. <laughs> Still with me? Still with you. Still with you. Now, verse 9. We're almost done here. Verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh. Listen to this. But in the spirit. Now, let me just get on a little soapbox. Is it okay to get on a little soapbox? Go ahead. Sure. You're not flesh. (laughs) You have flesh. But you, my friends, are spirit slowed down to visibility. You are just as spirit in your body as you are in your spirit. So, what is he saying? You're not in the flesh. It appears that you're mortal. It appears that you are material as far as your body. It appears that you are matter, but you're none of those. You're spirit through and through. Let me give you a verse. First Thessalonians 5.23, the classic yeah. amplified. We are sanctified. Another word is deified. Spiritified. Through and through spirit, soul, and body. So you're not just flesh. You're not mortal. You're not just material or matter. You appear that way, but you're spirit through and You are spirit slowed down to visibility. So, all of that came out of verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now let me ask you this stupid question. How many people are up on the face of the earth that doesn't have the spirit of God in them? Christ, he is not of his. 
Well, how screwed up is that? Yes. First part's good, but the second part's real confusing. If you read that on the surface level, he's none of his. If he doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So the writer is saying that we're not in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit. But then he attaches a condition to it. And I'm here to tell you, folks, there ain't no condition. Amen. Ain't no condition to this. No condition. All men have the Spirit in them. All men are in the Spirit objectively and not in the flesh. All are included. All are His. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And the little word of in the Greek is E-K-F and it means all came out of the Father. All are spiritual down to visibility. Every person that has ever been on the face of this earth and breathed has the Spirit of God within them. Or they couldn't be breathing. They couldn't be living. You see. Now, again, that's objective truth. They may not know it, so therefore they're not subjectively walking in it and experiencing it. So look at the last part. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. When all mankind came out of him, all mankind came out of him. Yes. So all have the spirit of Christ. So <coughs> who took it upon themselves to say, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you ain't none of his. That's true. Well, there's a translation error here. Yes. Because that is not the truth. All men are gods. All are in his image and after his likeness. Right? Yes. All yes. came forth. From the body. Now, here's my paraphrase of verse 9. All are objectively in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because all have been delivered from the flesh as a result of the cross fulfilling the law. But if we abide and dwell in the truth, we will no longer have a sense of separation or feel as though we are none of his. Right. So that's the way they should have written that. That's the way they should have written that. Instead of saying, well, if he hasn't, well, doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. They should have said, if we abide and dwell in the truth, we will no longer have a sense of separation or feel as though we are none of his. Yes. Although we are all his offspring, sired after him and begotten of him. Yes. See, so there's no here in verse 9, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There's none of that. It's just that if you don't know the truth, you may feel that you're none of his. It may look like you're none of his. Your emotions might say you're none of his. Guess what? Religion has told us all we're none of his at one time. We were yeah. of his, and we were always of his. Yeah. We were always Christ in the earth. We were always the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We always were. Verse 10. Couple more verses, and I'll close. Verse 10, Romans 8. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, here's another verse that needs to be unscrambled. Yes. Because when you read this on the surface level, it makes no sense whatsoever. Now, listen to this. Let me read it again. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. What? But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, the Greek word for body here is soma, referring to a slave. So, as we recognize our in-Christed identity as Christ in the earth, our body then becomes a servant rather than leading. So that's what it means where it says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead. In other words, you are absent from the body and present with the Lord. Oh, I know that's a funeral passage that people read, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is not for funerals. In fact, the first verse says, whenever you have dissolved within your heart awareness that you're a house made by man's hands, 
And that old idea is dissolved, and you realize you are a tabernacle or a temple made without man's hands. Come on! What is that talking about? That's, That's talking good. about bodily redemption. Yes. That's talking about being spiritual down to visibility. Yes. Come on. That's what that's talking about. To be absent, then, when you go on down in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't see any physical death in that. No. To be absent from my body means I'm not being led by my five yes. senses, my yes. emotions, yes. my intellect, my reason, my logic. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. That's the good news, folks. Yes. Yes. So if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of a mistaken identity. So the word for body being soma, referring to a slave, is really saying as we recognize our in Christed identity and as Christ, our body then serves us. Our body will serve us well when we have this understanding and when we realize, hey, being absent from the body and present with the Lord has nothing to do with me dying physically, but it has to do with me not having my body as the governor or the one that leads in my life. Right. It yields to the Christ life. It's you. Now, my paraphrase of verse 10 is, because Christ is in me as me, and because I know my spiritual identity, I am governed by my spirit, which is right and natural. That's right it. Natural. It's right natural right. for us right to be natural. governed by our Christ mind. Yes. To be governed by spirit. Yes. That is so good. And so the last part of verse 10 in the King James says, but the spirit is life yes. because of righteousness. So he's saying that the body is the servant, but the spirit is the leadership that leads you into rightness. Yes. That's what he's saying there in verse 10. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and he does, yes. and every man, whether they know it or not, yes. he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, the word mortal here means liable to die mentality. Come on, baby! Liable to die. That is so good. Liable to die. So what this is saying here is, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and you're dwelling in the truth, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your liable to die mentality. Oh, come on. That's what it's saying. (laughs) Woo. Yes. Notice what it says here. 
And this doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, <laughs> if you're reading this on a surface level. Because you know what? What do they tell us today? Religion tells us two things you've got to do. Pay your stupid taxes and die. You've got to pay those taxes and you've got to die. Everybody's going to die. And then they'll quote, it's appointed to the man who wants to die and after that can judge Well, they go on and read the rest of the verse. Nope. So Christ. That's what it says. That's what it says. Verse 12. Therefore, or based on all that we've said so far, therefore, based on all that I've said up to this point, brethren, we are not debtors yes. to live after the flesh. We are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. In other words, I don't know my flesh anything. I don't know my five senses or anything. I'm not a debtor. I don't have to be led by my five senses. I'm not a debtor. I don't know that my five senses and emotions and intellect and reason and logic anything. Or my own opinions. I don't know them anything. And listen to this. The word flesh there where it says, Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. Flesh there is 4561 and it's the symbol of the external. Flesh is the symbol of the external. Living from the external. Living from the terminology of new. Living from without rather than from within. That is so good. My paraphrase in verse 12 in conclusion here. I have to have at least two closings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three. Oh, three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My paraphrase in verse 12 is considering all that we have stated so far. Our conclusion is that we are to be led from within rather than from without. And that we must yield the external unto the internal. And I want to tell you folks, it's getting easier and easier for this to take place. Yes, it is. And the more we do it, the easier it gets. Until you and I stick out like a healed thumb. Oh, bam! Yeah, I got it. I want to stick out like a thumb, not a small thumb. That's it, right? Right. (laughs) And as the scripture says in Romans chapter eight and verse nineteen, the whole creation is on tiptoe, looking for the healed thumb, (laughs) not the small thumb, looking for the manifestation of the sons of God, that they might be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God, that they too will come to find That's out. Terrible. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, no handicap, no limitation, no yes. disabling, no guilt, oh, nothing. No condemnation to those so good. who are in and all are Christ Jesus. Yes. Not even who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There is just no condemnation, period. That's There's right. no acceptance. Damn. So, in Romans chapter 8, just as in Romans chapter 6, there's something you've got to know. And then there's something you've got to reckon. Yep. You've got to reckon what you know is going to work. Yes. If you don't think it's going to work, it's not going to work. I reckon. So you got you got to know, and you've got to reckon, and then you've got to yield. Then you've got to yield. And when it's mastered in our lives, folks, through the Spirit... You will slowly but surely yes, Lord. come into this effortless living. I'm not saying that I'm there or any one of us are there, but listen, let's continually, right. continually yield. You don't look at the flesh, don't look at the intellect. You want to figure something out. Uh-huh. Or reason. Well, it worked this way for me last year, so I think I'm going to put this into operation. No. It has to be yielded to the Christ mind. When it's yielded to the Christ mind, then the Christ mind or spirit filters through the intellect, the reason, and the logic, the emotions, and the five senses. Because God gave us all of that left side right. reason. We don't shut it. It's an equivalent, just like Adam and Eve. Eve was a helpmeet, which means the word equivalent. She wasn't lesser than him. Nope. She wasn't less than him. In a husband and wife relationship, the woman... Or the wife is not lesser than him. They just yield one to another. Yes. See? But spiritually, what Paul was talking about in Ephesians, where the wife, listen, he used the word submit, but 
must yield to the husband. That's talking about in us. The feminine yielding to the masculine principle within us. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are in us and through us. For the Christ life that lives as us. Thank you for an ear to hear, single ear to hear, for an eye to see, a single eye to see, and for a one heart that is circumcised by yielding the left side to the right side. Let these words that were spoken tonight be quickened, conceived, and made alive, that each and every one of us will move out of just the objective reality and experience these truths subjectively. We thank you. Thank you for these people. Thank you for those that are watching via Facebook and those that will watch it through YouTube and even those that will watch on the audio platforms. We thank you for your comments and we bless you and we honor you as well. In the name of the Lord, amen.